The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the story of Jonah is one of those odd stories that's extremely well known for a very small part and very poorly known in the rest. For most people, the book of Jonah is known as that one where the guy gets eaten by the whale, and that's about it. But to those in the know, Jonah has a reputation as the funniest book in the Bible, and yet the funniest book in the Bible with a very serious point. It's also one of the shortest. It's just a few pages. If you go home this afternoon and sit down and read it, you will probably find that it takes you longer to find the Bible and then find the book of Jonah in the Bible than to actually read the whole thing. It's easily shorter than this sermon. But this short and funny book packs a serious punch, and it's this. God has chosen to do extraordinary and surprising things through completely ordinary people, sometimes very much against their will. And Jonah really does it against his will. That's where the whale comes in. The book of Jonah begins, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, Nineveh is a terrifying place, the capital city of the great Assyrian Empire to the east, the empire that destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel, that scattered ten of the twelve tribes, never to be seen again. The Assyrians were a fierce and mighty people whose primary contributions to human history and civilization were the invention of siege warfare and ethnic cleansing. But God tells Jonah to go and travel far to the east, to the city of Nineveh, and to tell them to repent. And so what does Jonah do? Jonah goes down to the seaport of Joppa and sets sail for Tarshish, as far as he can go in the other direction. But he can't get away that easily. The Lord God sends a storm, and the sea batters the ship, and the sailors begin to panic and call upon their gods, and Jonah sleeps through it. They wake him up, and they tell him, Come on, pray with us. Pray to your God. And Jonah says, You really don't want me to pray to my God right now. In fact, let's do this instead. Throw me overboard into the sea. God will take me, and the ship will be safe. And they don't want to do it, but he convinces them. And so with much drama and many prayers for forgiveness, they throw Jonah overboard into the sea. But Jonah still can't escape. God sends a fish, or a whale, or a prehistoric shark to swallow Jonah up. And this is the point of the whale. Not just that it's cool that Jonah gets to live inside its stomach, but that even at the ends of the earth, even in the depths of the sea, Jonah can't get away from this calling from God. He sings a psalm of lamentation and salvation, one of the classics of ancient Hebrew poetry, and then he spit up onto the shore. And then our reading from this morning begins. And the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. And God says, Jonah, get up, go to Nineveh and proclaim the message that I tell you. And Jonah gets up and he goes, but he is not happy about it, not at all. And he wants God to know it, so he does the bare minimum. Nineveh, the book tells us, is a massive city, three days' journey across. And so Jonah goes barely a day's walk in. It's a mighty empire that needs to change its ways, and Jonah's sermon is beyond concise. 
40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown, he says. And that's all. There's no explanation why. There's no next step. There's not even an invitation to repent and change their ways. Just the proclamation of doom in 40 days. If Jonah walked into a preaching class and gave this one, the manuscript would come back from the professor with a big red F. Nice try. But the Ninevites go nuts. This sermon really works. They dress in sackcloth. They declare a fast. Not only humans, but animals will go without food, the king says. Not only without food, but without water. Who knows, the mighty Assyrian king declares. God may relent and change his mind. And God does. God changes God's mind, the book of Jonah says. And God doesn't destroy the Ninevites after all. And Jonah hates it. He hates it. At the very end of the story, we finally learn what Jonah's motivation was all along. Oh, Lord, he says, didn't I say this would happen? That's why I fled to Tarshish. For I knew, he says in an accusatory tone, I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. Jonah's anger is extreme that God has chosen to forgive the Ninevites. It becomes almost beyond words until he prays to God, take my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. And God answers, is it right for you to be so angry? And Jonah doesn't reply, but goes away to sulk. I do the impression of Jonah so well, of course, because I sometimes act this way myself. I suspect some of you do, too. I sometimes ask myself the question, when I'm reading or thinking about the Bible, if we only had this one book, what impression would you get of God? What would we know about what God is like if we only had the book of Jonah? And I have the sense that if you only had Jonah's story, the impression wouldn't be that bad. The first thing you learn from the book of Jonah, after all, is that God is willing to pursue you personally and relentlessly to the ends of the world, to the depths of the sea. When God is calling, there is no way to escape. But at the same time, God doesn't begrudge all the attempts to escape from that call. God doesn't punish Jonah for sailing to Tarshish when he should have gone to Nineveh. God keeps him safe in the belly of a whale. God doesn't abandon Jonah as he makes a half-hearted attempt at what God asks him to do. God just waits patiently and persistently for him to be ready. And when Jonah's finally spit back up out of the whale, he says, Jonah, get up, go to Nineveh. The second thing you learn from the book of Jonah is that God is willing to forgive. In fact, God is much more willing to forgive than we are. When the story begins, you think that Jonah runs away because he's afraid, because the Assyrians are powerful and mighty. If he goes to Nineveh and calls them out, well, they might just, I don't know, do him in. But it turns out that Jonah's not scared that the Ninevites will do something to him. He's afraid that they won't. In other words, he's not afraid that the Ninevites will reject his message. He's worried that they'll accept it. And they really will change their ways, and that God will forgive him, forgive them rather. That's the, that's the thing he fears more than anything else, God forgiving someone he still resents. Jonah quotes the words that all the prophets use when they praise God for God's grace and mercy and love. 
but he twists them a little. It's all in the tone. I knew you were a gracious God and merciful, he says, making it sound bad, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You disgust me, God. And like I said, we're all a little bit like Jonah sometimes, aren't we? We all hold grudges. We all keep score from time to time. There are people in all our lives who we're not ready to forgive. Sometimes, even maybe especially people we've never met before, the people who cut us off in traffic or who won't get out of the way of the door on the tee. The idea that God might forgive them, even if we don't, well, that's not something that any of us want to hear. And yet it's always important to remember when we're holding grudges that way that somebody might be doing the same thing in reverse. We hold grudges against other people, and other people hold grudges against us, and sometimes maybe we need to be forgiven in a way we're not quite willing to forgive. However much we might like God to be strict with our enemies, not to relent from punishing, in the end, it's probably a good thing to have a God who's gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in love. And the book of Jonah doesn't just tell us that this is what God is like. It shows us because this is exactly how God treats Jonah. And the third and final thing that I learned from the book of Jonah is this. God is not only capable of working through completely imperfect people. God is not only willing to navigate the messes we sometimes make of things. God seems to take delight in acting through all our peculiarities and limitations. We see this in the gospel, too. When Jesus wants to gather a group of disciples, he doesn't go for learned rabbis and mighty kings. He goes and calls some fishermen when they're out mending their nets. When God wants to call a prophet like Jonah, God doesn't go for the perfect person who already knows everything about forgiveness and grace and love. God calls a prophet who needs to hear the same message that he's supposed to preach. God calls Jonah, and Jonah runs away. And Jonah gets to feel what it's like to be forgiven and loved before he's invited to forgive. Now, it's possible that you are a perfect person who practices forgiveness and mercy and love excellently in your own life. And if that's the case, then you might consider that the rest of us are not and it might help forgive us even so. But it's also possible that you are out there and you find that you are not perfect. It's possible that you're out there feeling drawn to this message of God's mercy and grace and love, the message of God's love revealed in Jesus that we celebrate every week, but you're not perfect yet. And I think I can say without revealing privileged information, there might even be more than one imperfect person in this room and I know, because I'm one of them, so we just need one more of you out there. We imperfect people are sometimes less than perfectly patient. We're sometimes less than perfectly gracious. But God knows that. God's known it since the first human beings were alive. And God wants us anyway. God wants you anyway, imperfect as you may be, to be a messenger of God's grace and mercy and love, just like Jonah. And maybe, just maybe, if you can stop running away from it long enough, if you can learn to be forgiven yourself, you might just be able to hear that message and to share it as well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.